Circle K is America's thirst stop. And Dave's, especially when Dave needs refreshments for family movie night. So Dave heads straight to Circle K, where he grabs icy Polar Pop cups and frosters for the kids and chilled beer for the grown-ups. Enjoy family movie night, Dave. We'll be here for you all summer long. And right now at Circle K, save on all 8 or 12-ounce Red Bull flavors. Buy two, get one free. So make us your first stop. Circle K, America's thirst stop. I'm David Eliku, and this is The Knowledge, a place for discussing big ideas and pressing issues. Each week I'll share the things I'm learning and speak with a variety of incredibly interesting guests to hear what they've learned about navigating the world around them. In this episode, I'll be sharing a few things I learned in 2020. If you like this episode, please do leave a review. It really helps the podcast. And don't forget to share it with a friend. If you have any thoughts, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at Legend of Baba. And you can subscribe to my awesome newsletter at theknowledge.substack.com. Welcome back. It is 2021. <laughs> I'm your host, David Eliku, as always on The Knowledge. Thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. It's been a really long year. 2020 was, you know, pretty hellish. And so I'm glad to still be here, still recording this podcast, still writing my newsletter. This time, now more in conjunction. So if you're listening to this or reading this or watching this, you'll realize that going forward, a lot of the content will share some similarities. I got a lot of amazing feedback from people that read the newsletter, people that listen to the podcast, that wanted a bit more synchronicity between the two platforms, um, and also wanted more formats in which to digest the things I was sharing. So going forward, I will record all newsletter episodes in audio and video for those that want to consume that way and also you'll always be able to read the newsletter in its current format. I will add that um, the people that subscribe to the newsletter will see all of these things first. So I think the best way going forward to make sure you're getting all the content is to subscribe to the newsletter please and thank you and in each newsletter you'll be able to see the audio for that week's newsletter as well as read it in text if you prefer to read that way and I think that should help a lot of the people that are more auditory listeners but that is enough rambling you didn't come here to listen to me ramble before I kick off I really just wanted to thank all of you again for subscribing and supporting and sharing this newsletter and podcast over the past year. I started both pretty much in January. I know I'd been podcasting before that, but that was kind of a reinvention very much in line with the newsletter that I write. We've already passed the mark of 500 loyal subscribers, which is awesome. And the issues that I write are often read by a wider audience of up to and even past 3000 people 
per issue, which is amazing. And it's crazy to think that this experiment of learning publicly only started in January of 2020. And despite any of my hiccups in consistency, there hasn't been a single day since August 2020 that someone wasn't reading something that I wrote. And that is awesome. Actually, the same goes for the podcast. It's crazy that, and again, I'll stop embellishing too much, but I podcast on on multiple platforms so i have the knowledge podcast and i also podcast with my amazing co-hosts jide and tiffany on travel and turn up and my personal podcast even though i stopped recording new episodes for a while largely due to covid and just personal struggles but i haven't actually released a new episode probably since the summer of 2020 and yet, literally till the end of the year, even till now, at least 90, 80 to 90 people a week are listening to episodes, the same episodes I recorded ages ago. And so I think from a lot of the feedback I've been getting from the numbers that I've been seeing, it seems like clearly there is a lot of people that still want new content. And so here I am bringing it to you. So in 2021 and beyond, please continue to share these issues when you find them useful, share the podcast when you find it useful, reprimand me when you don't, and all feedback is welcome. I am extremely grateful for everyone who's taken the time to email me or tweet me with kind words in the last year. You're awesome. So, you cannot convince me that 2020 was a good year. I don't want to do a typical year in review. If you read as many newsletters or listen to as many podcasts as I do, you're probably sick of them, because I am. And despite any personal growth or achievements in 2020, I could never bring myself to characterize it as a good year. It was horrific. It was really, really bad. 2020 as a year was probably one of the worst years anyone has had, anyone could have expected or experienced. But personally, it's been almost a full year since I started this newsletter, since I started podcasting in the current format, and I figured it's worth sharing the biggest lessons I've learned and the things you could emulate to make the most of the year ahead. So number one, start on the right foot. I'll read an excerpt from the very first newsletter that I sent in 2020. I'm excited to see where life will take me as I step further out of my comfort zone and embrace the nexus of things I love and things that serve me. Productive deployment of mental and emotional resources will be a major theme in 2020. Well, look, how did that go? You know what? In fairness, I do think I lived up to that. 2020 was an emotionally draining, unpredictable and, dare I say it, unprecedented year. And despite technically spending way more time at home, it was also an extremely challenging time for me to maintain the focus and discipline needed to produce a weekly newsletter and a podcast. I had this crazy cadence where the podcast was dropping on a Thursday, which meant that the start of the week was spent recording and editing the podcast, also with guests. And then from Thursday to Sunday, I had to write the newsletter and the newsletter would go out on a Sunday evening. And so I had this horrific cycle of literally spending half my week doing each back to back to back. And it was a lot. 
And, and that's probably why I fell off with a lot of things. But I do feel that the thing that I mentioned, spending time at the nexus of things that I love and things that serve me was a great benefit for me in 2020. And I think having that focus is something that could help a lot of people in really consolidating the things that you put effort into. I think prior to 2020, and even it seems now to many people that I'm doing so many things and people are like, how do you do all these things? To be honest, I don't know. Um, But I think that it's really important to consolidate as much as possible. So I consolidated a lot of the things that I was doing along the verticals of my skill sets. And so I would consolidate things that I was working on based on, okay, these things have a similar skill set. If if the skill set is similar enough, I can do it. If there are things that I was doing that are very disparate to other things I was working on, I would have to drop them because time is limited. Your mental energy is limited, particularly in a year like 2020, where you just feel crushed by everything that's going on in the world around you. I think it's so important to be able to duplicate effort, not work, but duplicate your effort as much as possible. The next lesson, which very much goes off the back of that is don't take the status quo for granted. Last year, I proclaimed that I'd fallen out of love with the idea of concrete goals and resolutions, and that it was sufficient for me just to continually review a a previous set of esoteric goals that I set for myself in 2018. And, And to be fair, again, I think the David of 2018 was very much ahead of his time. And I think when I look at that sounds so corny. I'm not that self-absorbed. But the point is, I wrote a really good set of goals for the year in 2018 that rather than being, oh, I want to achieve X, Y, and Z, they were more value and virtue-driven goals of what I want to be like. And I think that served me well in 2018, served me well in 2019, and beyond just because it's helps me focus on the input metrics rather than the output, rather than focusing on what I need to have achieved. It tells me how I need to approach everything that I do. And I have a link to that in the newsletter. And it was also in the newsletter at the start of 2020. But I think that was a really good point of focus for me in really starting with how I want to approach tasks rather than what the outcome needs to be. I remember I'm going widely off the... um, the text of the newsletter now so it's a good reason to read both but i remember a great quote from humble the poet it's not really a quote i'm gonna mash it up but to synthesize the essence was that in terms of quantifying your success you should count your opportunities rather than counting your successes or counting the outcomes and i think that was a really big thing for me. I I wrote that down in my notes in Notion and I keep remembering it to this day because I think it's a really good conceptualization of how I want to approach success and how to approach growth. I think if you're only looking for output, if you're only counting or considering what comes out of your efforts, while it's good, it discounts a lot of what it takes to get there. I think if you count the opportunities, then it's a paradigm shift in terms of thinking about Where can you put yourself to get more opportunities? Where can you put yourself to maximize your opportunities? And if your opportunities are your North Star in terms of that's what you're focusing on, you will naturally have more outputs because the better you get at optimizing for opportunities, the better you get at putting yourself in front of better opportunities and making the most of them, the more successful you will be. But in retrospect, 
the approach that I took of only having a set of very high level vision oriented goals meant that I was largely basing my approach to the year on the assumption that there will be a status quo of continual progress because that's what I've had. You know, I, I'm not going to hide behind that. I've had a great run of years. Um, the last few years have been really good to me in terms of being able to find success, being able to grow and learn a lot. And I think that has that's what has characterized the last few years for me. And so because I've had that as, as a status quo, I think I've taken it for granted that I will continue growing in the same way. And all I need to do is focus on how I want to approach these things. And I don't need to care at all about what things I need to approach. And I previously wrote a newsletter about productivity and the motivation myth. And I explained the flaws of relying purely on motivation to accomplish tasks. But I realize now that on a macro level, I was falling into a very similar trap with my yearly planning by not breaking things down sufficiently to ensure that I was continually being driven toward progress. It's something that I'd taken for granted because I'd had enough luck and I'd had enough success in the last few years that I thought I could continue stumbling into it. At the core, I think what gets measured gets managed. It's an adage you probably heard before if you read similar newsletters to mine or if you consume similar bits of content. But this year, I'm definitely doubling down on that mantra. The third lesson I learned is committing to the extraordinary. 2020 was definitely a year that I threw myself off any cliff I could find. If I saw a challenge, I said yes. Did all of these things go as planned? No. Did I do them anyway? Yes. And doing what must be done and holding myself accountable for the challenges I set was a personal theme. And the resulting successes are owed largely to the habits that I wrote about, again, in another newsletter in issue 12, which was focus on cultivating discipline. So I'm not going to regurgitate a lot of the stuff that I've already written. I might record that in a video slash audio at some point. But at the core, you know, throwing caution to the wind has its consequences. But they often don't compare to the lessons that you learn in the process. We'll be right back after this break. Circle K is America's thirst stop. And yours, especially when the weather gets and you need to stay, stay refreshed on the go with ice cold Circle K favorites like freshly ground iced coffee, Froster, Polar Pop Cup, and more. And right now at Circle K, score with 28 ounce Gatorade, any flavor, three for $5. When life's go, 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 make us your first stop because Circle K is America's thirst stop. So here's some crazy things I did this year. In January, I started this newsletter, writing publicly and consistently under my own name for the first time. I also relaunched my personal podcast, which you're listening to now, while starting a second podcast, Travel and Turn Up, with two amazing co-hosts and fellow travel entrepreneurs, Jide and Tiffany. In July, I walked 100,000 steps in a single day with just a month to prepare. That's about 81 kilometers or two back-to-back marathons. 
It took over 18 hours and I nearly covered the equivalent distance between London and Luton twice. Now, look, it's probably the most foolhardy thing that I've done in years and I would never do it again. I'm saying that now I may renege on that promise, but it was hell. Like I I can't explain enough how leaving my house at seven o'clock, I should have left earlier, leaving my house at seven o'clock in the middle of summer and walking. And you can't stop walking because you need to make it home. You have so much ground to cover. You need to walk 81 kilometers and you can't really take breaks. Walking seems easy. When you walk for an hour, two hours, six hours, 12 hours, 15 hours, walking for 18 hours. And also I think adding to that, the fact that I did this with no training. So my highly scientific training regimen was that essentially I'd walk 10 kilometers a day. And then on each Saturday for four weeks, I would ratchet up my top level maximum. So on the first Saturday, I walked more than 14 kilometers for the very first time, never done it before. So I walked 20 kilometers the week after that. During the week on a Wednesday, I walked 30 kilometers. And then again on the Saturday, I walked 30 kilometers. The Saturday after that, I walked 50 kilometers. And then the Saturday after that, I walked 81 kilometers. My feet were shattered. This is, and it's funny because even at the start, I asked a doctor, a friend of mine about their thoughts and they pretty much said, don't do this, give yourself more time. And I just did it anyway. So I'm not saying that this is something you should do. I'm just saying it's something I did. I survived, which is pretty awesome. I never would have imagined myself going that far out of my comfort zone to do it. But I was raising some money for some charities and organizations that meant a lot to me during the height of the Black Lives Matter movement at the time. I have asthma that I've had since I was very young. And so I couldn't go out and protest and run around the streets with everyone else. So this was my way of doing something that I could to raise money. So in August, with very little preparation, again, within a week of announcing it, I launched Democratic Republic, selling direct trade coffee sustainably sourced from across Africa. And in the first week, we had orders from six different countries and four US states. And I don't know how these amazing people found us, but they did. And they came back and they brought their friends. If you haven't tried African coffee yet, we sell coffee from several African countries now. You need to try some. You need to go to demrepworld.com and order some. And order some for your friends and for your loved ones and your family and anyone in between, please. So in September, I officially transitioned from big law to tech with a full-time role at one of the UK's fastest growing tech startups, which was awesome. It's still awesome. Then in November, as part of a challenge set by my entrepreneurship program to make £1,000 in two weeks, I tweeted a poll asking who would be interested if I started a wine business. Four days later, I launched one. In the next four days, we made 1.5k and by the end of the week, we hit 3k in revenue. And that wine business will also go from strength to strength this year as part of Democratic Republic. So that's another reason for you to go to demrepworld.com. I don't want this to turn into some kind of 
ad. But yeah, it was pretty awesome. Both of those businesses were pretty awesome. And I'm glad that I get to continue a lot of that because it's fun. And I feel like, you know, I primarily focus on building businesses with a purpose. And so with Demrep Coffee, for example, you know, we're really trying to work with local farmers, local farming communities, growing the coffee that we sell, and also with African creatives. So for those that don't know, our labels are also designed on the continent by Africans. And a lot of the work that we're trying to do in terms of content, in terms of other things, we're working with a lot of creatives on the continent, as well as farmers and farming communities on the continent. Similarly, with the wine, it's biodiverse. So it's grown in a way that the soil can continually be used year after year to help preserve and prolong our enjoyment of this planet. And that's something that's important to me. So if you haven't tried the wine yet, it's actually in high demand right now, which is an amazing place to be. So you have to stay tuned for the next release. So probably the best way is to sign up on the website or even just follow the newsletter and you'll have a good idea of when you can get your hands on some next in December, there were no grand proclamations, but at this point, Travel and Turn Up, the other podcast that I started, was already in the top 10 travel and culture podcasts in at least four countries. It's number one in Nigeria, I think it's number three or four in Uganda, number seven in South Africa. It's crazy that none of us are in any of those countries. I'm in the UK, Jide is in the US, Tiffany is between Jamaica, sometimes the US, sometimes Africa. But it's crazy that we've been able to gain such a big audience globally, which is awesome. My other podcast, The Knowledge, also passed 6,000 listens, again, despite not publishing for several months. And most importantly of all, my wanton and oft dangerous exploits had connected me with a variety of amazing minds around the world. I recorded over 100 podcast episodes, sent an ungodly number of tweets, got to engage in a lot of great conversations, and I had a ton of amazing feedback, and I really couldn't ask for more. So, even when you don't know what lies beyond the horizon, it's often worth making the leap. Take calculated risks, learn powerful lessons, and document as much as you can. The fourth lesson is showing up consistently. It takes some audacity for me to say this, knowing that I haven't had super consistent output in every creative medium in the past year, and I won't hide behind my struggles with anxiety in that regard either. That said, when you start with first principles, it isn't the format that matters as much as the goal. By staying true to my goals day to day, regardless of the format, I've received compounding returns. And that's what counts. For context, my primary aim in starting this newsletter and also my podcast is to share as I learn. So when I didn't podcast, I wrote newsletters. When I didn't write newsletters, I wrote threads. When I didn't write threads, I wrote tweets. When anxiety, procrastination and writer's block struck, I delivered continual output through lower stakes mediums. Simultaneously, I doubled down on my inputs, i.e. how much I learned and absorbed. Over the course of the year, I increased my reading target on Goodreads from 22 to 40 to 52. And then I broke all of those targets by reading 60 books. 
Some of the habits that I established early in the year survived the pandemic largely due to my unnecessarily competitive nature. As an example, I'm currently on an inadvertent Duolingo streak of over 200 days because my pride is on the line every time I fall to the bottom of my league. Conversely, some of my best habits were my least consistent, but I capitalized on momentum. There were periods during the year where I didn't pick up a single book. And then there were other weeks, I think at least three separate weeks during the year, where I read six, seven and eight books respectively. And the key isn't that you have to go out of your way to do all these ridiculous things, but I was cognizant of my end goal throughout. And I doubled down when I felt strong currents of intrigue and alertness. At many points, my concentration waned. It took me several months at one point to finish one single book. And the odyssey of completing that particular book involved buying it in paperback, then on ebook, and then in an audiobook. And then I almost burnt my house down when I fell asleep listening to that audiobook because I had a sausage roll in the oven. Something that helped throughout was a very intentional journey of publicly sharing my lessons and learnings and wins and losses and living on the accountability of that community. The fifth lesson is that if you want to go far, go together. As humans, we are at our most potent when in service of a higher purpose. And I don't say that to be esoteric. It's scientifically backed. There's a really great book that I read recently that touches on this, which is called Peak Performance, and you should definitely read it. So by focusing on something greater than ourselves, we can surpass seemingly immovable physical and mental obstacles. Now, I've touched on the accountability of strangers being a stick with which to flog yourself into animation, but it's also a great carrot. I focused on providing value to others rather than writing or speaking as a presentation of ego. And as a result, have been exposed to continual feedback and gratitude from people who have benefited from what I've shared, and I've been guided on how I can further serve them. As unglamorous as it may sound, living in servitude to others can be a great motivator, although you'll have to find a balance in prioritizing your personal well-being. I spent most of 2020, as many of you did, in isolation, suffering through a series of city and nationwide lockdowns at the incoherent whim of Britain's ramshackle government. Despite this, the presence of friends and advisors and loved ones has been of incalculable benefit. From my writing group to ex-colleagues to co-hosts and close friends, I can't underestimate the value of having people who you trust that will hold you accountable and bring out the best in you by asking the right questions and having your best interests at heart even when you don't. My restless spirit often makes me a hammer in search of a nail and the objective counsel of the people I surround myself with allows me to channel that energy to productive ends. Being a solo operator has definable limits. But with more rope and stronger knots, you'll be surprised at what you can lift. When I spoke at the Warwick Africa Summit, I shared a Khasa proverb that I've come to love. The question is whether I will butcher it by saying it live on this podcast. So if you want to read it, 
go, <laughs> go and read the uh, the text in the newsletter. But the essence translated into English is you must inquire from those who are ahead where the buffalo have been sighted. The point is to lean into the wisdom of your peers and also share your own learnings with those around you. Devote yourself to serving others because often the fastest way to reach your own goals is to help others in reaching theirs. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please do stay tuned for more. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. It really helps the podcast. And follow me on Twitter. Feel free to shoot me any thoughts. See you next time. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.